Welcome to the Asylum Fantasy Sports Show. Rick, we are back. The Asylum, now a proud member of the Full-Time Fantasy Podcast Network. Find us and many more fantastic fantasy podcasts at FullTimeFantasy.com and on the tweeters at FullTimeFantasy. Not only do you get great podcasts, most notably this one, but it's also a one-stop shop for the best fantasy content. Fantasy. Fantasy, Rick. I yeah, said it's fantasy. fantasy. Or it's fantasy content. Vanity in our, well, in our case, that's but it's fantasy it for everybody yes, else. Yes, the best fantasy and vanity content right on these <laughs> interwebs, Rick. Uh, hey, stay tuned in the upcoming weeks for exciting opportunities to be part of the FFWC season-long fantasy contest. Several be available, including Beat the Expert Leagues, the Free Mock Draft World Championship, $35 Starter Leagues, and so many more. And of course, if you want to follow us, your boys, and why wouldn't you? That's at Asylum Football on Twitter. And if you want to be part of the show, asylumfootball at gmail.com. Apologize for sort of the cold opening, not the usual professional production we have, but apparently YouTube and the Dropkick Murphys are not Asylumites and had a little bit of issue with last week's show, so we are feverishly efforting some more professional uh, intro and outro in the weeks to come, so stay tuned for that. But we'll make up for it. We'll just do a better show with a worse opening, I guess. Yeah, I just think they ought to become Asylumites, you know, like everybody else. And then we'd be okay. But, you know, until then, we'll come up with something. Yeah. But we are Fligger and Briggs. This is the Asylum Sports Show right here. I'm Fantasy Podcast Network, like Rick said. I'm Briggs, my man Fligger over there. And um, did you watch the U.S. Open? I did. I did. I'll tell you what. They ought to play it. It doesn't have to be at Pebble. They ought to play it on the West Coast every year. There is nothing better than not having to get up at 8 o'clock in the morning to start watching, the, to watch these things in prime time till 10 o'clock at night here on the well, East Coast. Really, I that's really, you only have to do that really with like the British Open because oh, they're like six awful. hours ahead, which is great because I get up early anyway and I can watch it in the lunchtime it's over with i don't have to worry about it yeah i don't i don't like that one bit but prime time major golf was nice we were talking about uh, a little bit last week before it started what the course might be like and you know what i think they did i'm not a big usga fan but i think they did a nice job at pebble beach if you hit it in a fairway and you hit a nice iron shot, you could score. Yeah. You yeah, hit definitely. it off, and Pebble Beach had a little teeth to it. Yeah, the the rough was penal. I think they got a little unlucky. I, I don't think they're thrilled. I don't know how I feel yet. I guess I don't necessarily like seeing, what was it, a mine under 13 under winning the U.S. Open. That feels too low to me. But at the same time, I gripe about the USGA tricking up those courses to absurd levels. So I think they got a little unlucky with the weather being as cooperative as it was. The course was wet. There was no wind. Right. I don't know how you play on the ocean. And there's no conceivably have predicted that, right? So I think they set up the course really well. And I think under normal, drier, windier conditions, we'd have seen, you know, minus one, minus two win that thing. But it wasn't absurd. It wasn't, you you know, you loft one right into the center of the green and it rolls 40 feet back beyond your shoe top, So, which is what I hate about the USGA. So you're not going to hear me complain about that course. No, and it, and it was a nice tournament. Um, you know, hats off. It was good performances the whole way around, really. The top few, I can't say all of them, I guess. Um, uh, 
Justin Rose, kind of the wheels really fell off of him on the backside. But, you know, you know, in Kepka, three in a row, that's tough to do, man. Yeah, but he's just always right there. He's maybe one putt away from putting some heat on. Who's Gary Woodward? Tell me everything you knew about him before last weekend. Well, maybe you did. I knew I knew he existed, but <laughs> that was about the extent of it. But yeah, all in all, a good tournament. Of course, for a rubes like me, you know, Tiger just sort of there, right? I mean, just sort of playing yeah, even, I mean, yeah. getting around, not real sharp with his irons. You know, I, I think. With with nobody pulling the driver out of the bag and him being conceivably able to stay out of trouble, this might be a tournament. He just never made a putt, right? Never missed anything he should have made, but never made a putt, never made a great iron shot. He was just sort of and another guy. And he made a guy. share of bogeys as well. Right. I mean, you know, he wasn't just right down the middle and on the green and ho hum, here we go. You know, and it, you know, and, and Gary Woodland, I mean, you know, you listen to the, some of the background story of him, you right. know, He's interesting I mean, it, it was, it was nice to see him win and the guy played solid. Let, let's face it. He wasn't re- when, when Kepka started off. Well, I think he was three under through the first four holes. It was like, ah, ah here we go. Here yep. we go, Look fellas. Out. It's time. Yeah. But, he just um, sort of stayed the course and, and scored consistently throughout and that, that shot on 18, while there wasn't a pressure on it, you know, there would normally be having a three-shot lead, but chipping a ball on the green you know, in that position he was in and getting it that close was, was really incredible. In fact, I'm such a rube. I didn't think you were allowed to do that. <laughs> you know, with your muni, you're not allowed to do that. Right. I didn't know, frankly, you were even able to do that. But that was kind of a cool shot. Was it, was it Saturday he knocked that one in? from the yeah. fringe that sort of solidified that round. So just a not that, a lot of fireworks you think, for a You major. think about that that shot right there, though, in the third round. Could have very easily been a bogey. Oh, ooh, he rolls it 20 feet past. He could have doubled. Yeah, I mean, exactly. You don't know. So a big here, here you go. Since 2017, this, this is Brooks Kepka. Masters, this is 17. Masters tied for 11th. U.S. Open, he won. British tied for sixth. PGA didn't play. 18. Masters. Don't know why. It, I didn't have a, um, a result for him. He didn't, he didn't play. play. U.S. Open, he won. Of course. British tied for 39th. PGA, he won. suit him as well that seems to be his lowest finishes finishes we would all take it seems yeah. but of course two years ago he's tied for six in the british Open. right so right. i mean it's uh but if he happens to win the british it'll be um five majors in the last 12 we're not, s- not bad yeah pretty good but we're stupid hats nike is just killing him with these absurd nah. hats they're putting on him no, no. I mean, you know, that is, um, you know, Wilson's staff irons are, I mean, I guess they're just incredible. I haven't played them. Um, and to win the U.S. Open, I think you may see more guys maybe with some staff clubs. No, not staff. Stupid hats. What are you talking about? 
The stupid hats that Brooks Kepka wears. He oh, looks like I, a I'm painter. so sorry. I I'm thought... trying for the life of me to figure out what the hell you're talking well, about. Well, okay. But, well, what it did. Well, I mean, I heard a couple of pundits on um, a, a show that I'm not going to mention saying that Gary Woodland was wearing ridiculous hats because they were sponsored by Wilson staff. Oh, no. I'm talking about Kepka and those Nike painter's hats he's wearing with the splotches and yeah, the tie-dye. Yeah, I don't know what that is. I that, mean, when you're that good and that good looking, you can wear anything and pull it off. But the average golf fan can't be saying, I got to go out and get me that because you ain't good looking enough, brother, to wear that hat. Only a select few like Kepka can pull it off. Yeah, that's true. But, uh, you know, the guys that win. I mean, if he's, you know, like John Daly playing now, he just look like a clown. Oh, if I could just win, like Daly does. If I could win dressed like Cam Newton at a press conference, <laughs> if that's what it took to win, I would gladly do it. And yeah, John Daly and hit the pants. Does he still do the pants? <laughs> I, Did he do I, it in the PGA? I can't even remember. I don't know. Was he? I don't have. Remember any they idea. let him ride yeah. the card. It was the whole controversy. I can't remember if he's wearing the stupid pants or not. And why was he allowed to ride a card? I never really. Got the full story on that. I didn't pursue it because I thought he was meaningless anyway. He's John Daly, I guess. It's the yeah, only but- excuse I'd come up for. Because what would his compelling argument be above what Casey – was it Casey Martin? Was that his name yeah. years ago when this sort of conversation started? Because Casey Martin had a disability, yeah. which He had is, an actual disability. Yeah, he had like a bum leg or an artificial yes. leg or some, artificial leg i think it was. was it i can't remember he had some sort of actual right born with physical disability where john daly's body has just broken down over the years of golf of being fat how about, of because I mean, how about just smoking bloated. of drinking <laughs> of drugging of whoring all the things that makes up me love john daly quite frankly but yeah but you know i never saw like That'd be, you know, pick an old guy. I've never, I never saw Arnold Palmer ride a cart even when no, he was 80. Right, I mean, yeah. I just don't I, get it. You I know? didn't get it. I guess maybe it was just he's John Daly. People will follow him. He'll set up his RV in the parking lot. <laughs> That'll be kind of cool. That'll draw some interest. He isn't going to be a contender. He'll be no. out of here Friday night. So why the hell not? I got to imagine <laughs> whatever they said, that was the real explanation. And this is right? a good – and this is a guy that has won two major titles. Right, right. I mean, it's – well, that was back in the days when he was the only one with that type of distance, right? Now, everybody is beyond No, that. not really. I mean, he is still extremely well, – he just can't – he's just not a good golfer any no, longer. No, no, no I mean, he, no, that. still, he's incredibly long. I mean, compared to the long guys, he's still just incredibly long, but he's a tub. He smokes, drinks all day. He can't putt. He can't chip anything like that. So they watch him hit drives yeah. and ride around his golf cart Smoking and probably barbecue and, steaks yeah. at night by the RV, like you said. I don't know. I like John Daly. I see a lot of myself oh. in John Daly, you know, minus the long drives. Well, I was going to say, I see none of you and John right. Daly on the golf no, course. No, no, <laughs> just in sort of personal appearance and behavior, you know, I he's my spirit animal, I guess. Yeah. I so, mean, Rick, he, I have combed the internet for NFL news. So we're going to get into fantasy talk here real soon. Going to start breaking things down by division. Real high level, right? We're not going too deep in this. It's freaking June. Come on. It's not even the 4th of July yet. Just going to take a look per division, all the fantasy players, sleepers, however you want to look at it, just as an, an excuse to bring up lots of players. So we're going to get into that. Tried to find some NFL headlines, some other stuff to talk about, Rick. Here's what I came up with. Josh McCown retires. 
two things. Number one, who cares? Number two, bullcrap. Somebody's going to get hurt in training camp, and he will start for somebody no later than Halloween. Do you have any <laughs> doubt about this whatsoever? No. Nah, well, it depends on what his contract for an analyst at ESPN is. Right. Um, yeah, is he well-spoken? Is he that type of guy? I can't honestly sure ever remember is. him interviewed. I'm sure he is. He's been with 17 different teams. I'm sure he had to talk to a lot of people. He was 17 <laughs> years, 11 yeah, teams. Exactly. That's amazing. And I saw somebody on the Twitter machine. I was in the bathroom, which is where I do all my Twitter machining. I saw last night, I believe it was. Had some video. I don't know if it was a preseason game. I don't know what the context was, but he was a Detroit Lion. Bet you didn't know Josh McCown was a Detroit Lion. Although, having played for 11 teams, you could just say yes most of the time, and right. you'd be safe if you were betting on it. But he's catching passes. They're putting him in the slot, and he had this reel of it with Detroit catching passes coming out of the slot. So he was a good athlete. And what a great backup. What a great career, right? This guy is a multi, 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 multi-millionaire. Never really accomplished anything of great note. Just holding the clipboard, coming in, kind of keeping the ship afloat. You know, your team never just completely circled the drain with him here. What a great career. What a great career. And he's going to be able to walk into his 60s and 70s. Took nowhere near the hits. That's the way to do it. And think. Yeah, quit, He'll be able to think. Quit training your kids to be the star. Train them to be just good enough to be a 16, 17-year backup. That's the life, buddy. That's what I want. Yeah. I mean, he's not, like you said, he's not one of these superstars. He'll never go down in the in the history books as another Brady or Unitas. But you know what? Like you said, 17 years in the league. People wanted him on their teams. Oh, absolutely. Because if something happened to Joe's starting quarterback, hey, we'll bring in Josh. We're not going to lose that many games with nah. him. He's fine. He, yeah. He'll do what he has to be done. He'll, he'll keep the things moving a little bit. He won't just completely embarrass you. Earl Morrill. You know, you probably don't remember Earl Morrill took the Colts to the Super Bowl when Johnny Unitas was hurt. And then he did the same thing with the Dolphins when Bob Greasy was hurt. Terry I mean, Hanratty, right? Terry didn't he do Han- that for the Steelers a couple of times? He didn't do it anywhere else. Right. Then he played large portions of at least one of their Super Bowl seasons in the 70s. I only think of him because yeah. he's local here. We graduated from yeah. the same high I mean, school. And, there, and there's t- other guys, Frank Reich. Well, he's yeah, a head coach a- now. And that's what you wonder about a guy like McCown, right? You yeah. spend 16 years. Is it 16 or 17? 17, I think 17 years holding the clipboard in the meetings. This guy, if he wants to be, I think would be an excellent coach. It's like catchers make the best managers in baseball. I think a 17-year adequate backup quarterback would make the best coach in the NFL, at least an offensive coordinator. And look at the success Frank Reich is, is having and has had in his coaching career to this point. The only other piece of news, did you see this? Somebody hacked Brett Favre's Instagram account, said he was coming out of requ- out of retirement, and every major news out sports outlet bought it, and we're all excited. And we He's were having like, the what, 50 now? 49. Yeah, I mean, 49. that's ridiculous. I mean, who? I bet he could still play. Okay, you and I aren't the brightest bulbs in the drawer. I but think that's the but, r- but we're <laughs> sm- Hold on. <laughs> Roll what? it back. We're not the brightest bulbs in the drawer? Yeah. What, what, what does that mean? I thought it was on the tree. What tree? How would you know if the bulb was bright if it was in the drawer? <laughs> what tree Just are you talking about? The Christmas tree, I think, is where that but, came but, but from. This is not Christmas. I, I, I completely understand <laughs> that. I mean. Ho, ho, ho. 
Well, maybe it is. I don't know. According to him, it is. But then again, it just kind of reinforces my comment that we aren't the smartest people on the planet. Well, see, you, that because you I just say. screwed this saying up. But you and I both get it that Brett Favre, at 49 years old, is not coming back to the NFL to get his brains beat out after the last four. I mean, has he forgotten about the last five years telling everybody how his short-term memory's gone right. and he's short-circuiting? I mean. That doesn't even make any sense. And these bozos take to the Twitter and believe this and start writing headlines and probably start booking flights to Louisiana. Oh, I will tell you this. We saw him when he got inducted in the Hall of Fame. We had the chance to interview him when we were out there, what was that, two, three years ago, whenever that was. He looks like he could still play. He couldn't, although he'd probably be, what, the 20 to 25th best starting quarterback in the league next year for a few weeks anyhow until he got killed, obviously, but still looked good. But, yeah, isn't that, Rick, just a perfect summary, though, of, you know, I don't want to go down too deep in this road, of modern media, right? The major outlets, they're not going out making any rain. They're not going out right. finding news. They're doing what we do, what I'm doing, sitting on the can for an hour a day, which is where I do all my Twitter and, and seeing, oh, look at all this news. All right, let's report on that. Let's retweet that, and let's send a reporter an hour later to follow it up. So any idiot puts something on Twitter, and the major news outlets buy it. And have you ever read a news article on Yahoo, Yahoo, they're the worst offender, but but all of them is news articles now are a curation of tweets. They don't actually report or write anything. It's just curated tweets they've put together. And they pull eight tweets of one opinion or the other and say, look, the entire world is in an uproar over this. No, eight donks from Twitter <laughs> are in an uproar. Or even, you know, this thing had 150,000 comments. The, the whole world's in an uproar. 150,000? You get that at a Penn State game. What are you talking right. about the whole world? Shut up. What are you doing? Exactly. Do your own reporting. Yeah, and like you said, I mean, yeah, he lo- he looked good at the Hall of Fame when during the interviews and everything. But, you know, we're standing there looking at these guys. Yeah, he looks like he could play. But – to actually get out there and start playing, knocking right. heads with these guys right. is a whole different and story. He's 49, be 50 exactly. during the season. How? I mean, you and I, I mean, look, I inter- you know, we interviewed Claude Humphrey. He must have been 65 then. I, just, I wouldn't have walk, walked up and slapped that man, no, I'll tell you. still a yes or no, sir. He could barely stand up. Yeah. And I think he'd whoop on you from the <laughs> chair he was in. That's a big dude. Exactly. And it's um, – I guess it's brightest bulb on the porch is the actual saying, no not one, on the tree. No one has ever said that. It's I just pulled it up. I mean, the, the Internet doesn't lie. You just said that. <laughs> it's, it's on the interwebs. It must be <laughs> it's true. It's got to be true. Well, it's certainly not the – explain to me in your feeble mind how, if I'd have acquiesced, how brightest bulb in the drawer works. Can you give me anything? Well, yeah. I mean, you could walk in and you could pick up – um bulb a which we will call steve all right it's 100 watts all right and you pick up a bulb that is rick all right and it's 25 watts right? i ain't the brightest bulb in the drawer well what if steve's burn out well why is it in the drawer then, why wouldn't you just throw a burnout bulb away sometimes do you, don't you take one out, out of a socket and throw it in a drawer when it's burnt out if you do you're you're a 10 watt bulb no but i've bought them bought bought is that correct purchased 
Why yes, did I bought them sound wrong? It, I think it's, it's right. Not. I bought a can of beans. I bought I gas. have I, bought them. That, that sounds no, trifling. No, I have. See? It doesn't sound right. Purchased. Anyhow, we're, we're getting way wrapped up in the minutiae here. So I have purchased them, and the, they're dead coming out of the pack. So until it's hooked up to a light source, you don't know whether or not what's the brightest one. Sure you do. It says on the bulb or on the box. 100 watt, 200 watt, 25 watt. So is that to imply a broken 100 watt bulb is still brighter than an operational 25 watt bulb? It's not broken in a drawer. How do you know until you hook it up? That's my point. That's why nobody says brightest bulb in the drawer. Nobody says tree either because I looked it up. That that doesn't even make any sense. Don't give me this porch nonsense. No one has ever (laughs) said that. Not one time ever in a million years. Yeah, really? They just wrote it, I guess. Are, are you on the dark web? Is that where you're finding no, this No, I don't stuff? even know what that is. It's probably some sort of What a, is that, anyway? It's like, I don't know how you get to it, but that's <laughs> where all the action goes down, apparently. Huh. I don't understand it. I don't all. either. And I don't want to, because I can't even understand the light web, let alone the dark well, web. Well, exactly. We, we've seen that. You're not the brightest bulb on the web, apparently. So... All right, Rick, you got anything else? Should we talk some fantasy football if anybody still happens to I would love to talk some fantasy football. And, um, yeah, like Rick said, we're going to try to. No job, just pure football knowledge. That's Put true. him on the board. House Mazzoli. Got it. Championship. I didn't you know done? that was at the end. That was Are a you nice done? bonus. I mean, case in point, not the brightest bulb in the drawer. Here it's we go. Not the same. Yeah, All right, right, where do you want to start, Rick? We're going to break down what? The AFC East and North tonight, I believe. I think so. I think that's a, that's a good place to start. We'll go with the AFC. We'll go the the East and the North tonight. And uh, next week we'll go the South and the West. And then we'll move to the NFC. All right. Do a couple. And then by the time uh, – We'll have some rankings by training camp starts. All right, here's the dirty little secret to anybody who's not doing a podcast. It's June and July. We're doing a tilted towards football and fantasy podcast. You got to find stuff to talk about until stuff actually starts happening. And now with mini camps breaking and training camps not starting, we're on the dark period of the time. So this is how we're going to go about it. I just want to talk football. One thing I like about – Many camps being over. I know, like you said, it's kind of a, a dry spot right now. But at least you're not reading about any torn ACLs yeah, yeah. Or, or MCLs or any of that nonsense. Yeah, now we get about a month of arrests, and then we get into the real yeah, stuff. Yeah, then you have a that. couple more torn, yeah. and then we'll get into some yeah, football. Then we'll play football, right? Right. So bring on the arrests. Do we <laughs> yeah. still have? Oh, yeah. Remember we used to play this for those? Oh, yeah. we got to start pulling that back up. It's been a pretty good offseason, though. It really has. It's been quiet. Nobody's been getting handcuffed other than Zeke at that thing, you know, bumping into a security guard or whatever that was. Um, Tyreek Hill, no charges on him, so there's really not much going on. Right, yeah. They'll they'll make up for it. The the NFL players never disappoint. No doubt. All right, what do you want to start? Do you want to start in the East? Why not? All right. Well, if you're going to start in the East, Rick, you have got to start with the New England Patriots. Not much to talk about at the quarterback position, right? I think we know how. I guess we don't know. Is this the year, Rick? Is this the year for Tom Brady? As I've predicted for three straight seasons, so you know where I'm going to go because with him along with Frank Gore, I'm going to be right one of these years. You know, I I think Tom Brady is just – other than that one knee injury, he's never really had any serious injuries, and he never will because ever since that knee injury, if you look cross-eyed at him, there's a flag on the the ground. So Tom Brady's fine. I have no problem with him. I still think he is 
I mean, it's not an opinion. I mean, he is the best quarterback in that division, no doubt about it. Fantasy-wise, still the best quarterback in that division. Um, look, you still have Michelle. You still have White, Burkhead, that whole crowded backfield that produced, especially in PPR leagues, you throw Michelle and White together tremendously last year. Edelman's still there. Um, you know, they brought in uh, – Demarius Thomas. They brought in Dontrell Inman. You still have Philip Dorsett. And, uh, you know, a lot of scuttle with the rookie Harry as well. So, I mean, he's fine at wide receiver. I think the offense is going to be clicking right along. Yeah, I mean, I think we've seen Tom Brady start to regress a little bit in spots. Sounds dumb to say as he's holding up his latest Lombardi trophy. <laughs> yeah, he's putting rings on his toes right. because he's no, running out no, of fingers. And I understand that. I think we're on the backside of it, which is real, of easy, we are. real easy to say. It, what I find most interesting in New England are two things. I'll start with the running back position. I think – for how long, Rick? For Tom Brady's entire, or since, what, maybe Corey Dillon left? You haven't been able to rely ever. We, you know, we'd spend every offseason talking about, you know, good luck picking the right one, Deion Lewis. You name all the guys who come through. I think even with James White's usage, and you're talking James White. Don't forget, he caught 87 passes last year. No 87 doubt. passes last year. Sony Michelle, I think, is a standalone, almost a low-end RB1, even in this mess. I think he has set himself apart of that. You're coming off a year last year where he had – what do you have carry-wise? Just over 200, just short of 1,000 yards, six TDs, where he hurts you a little bit in PPR formats is he only had the seven catches, you know, doing no small part to the fact that James well, yeah. White caught, again, 87 of them. So I, I think James White's an every week flex play, you know, in that type of role. I don't worry about Burkhead cutting into Michelle's workload enough anymore to where I think Sony Michelle, this is a guy you can target is especially if you're kinda, you know, going after, you know, your Travis Kelsey's or your your wide receivers early. This is a guy if I've got Sony Michelle as my number one running back, normally having that Patriots guy gives me heartburn. Not anymore. I, I think for, forget about it, lock it down. It's guaranteed. Has a nose for the end zone and makes plays. You know, and the the wide receiver question, that that's one where outside of Edelman, is there anybody in that list you read off you trust, Rick? Really? Not particularly, no. I, I They'll re- all be rostered. They'll all be drafted a round and a half too high. I don't trust any of them. I, no, and, and it's hard to because it's it's kind of like the, the Saints of about 10 years ago, it seems like, where you had Colston and I can't even remember a lot of the guys, but it seemed like it was Drew Brees was Oh, who was the number out. two on the other side of Colston? Oh, and I always rostered him and he always sucked. Oh. Well, there's a Joe Horn was there, I remember, but that was before Colston, I think, wasn't it? I yeah, can't... Horn was before Colston. Yeah. There was some dope on the other side <laughs> of him that every year I'd predict, <laughs> there it comes! Yeah. It never came. But, you know, I mean, getting back to Brady, I, I think, look – He's what forty two. You're not gonna. He's not gonna have the seasons that he had a few years ago. But then again, he's still he's coming off a forty three hundred and fifty some odd yard um, campaign. Twenty nine touchdowns. He did have eleven picks. But you know that's that's not bad. He was still right around top ten fantasy scoring. 
I, you know, I mean, we're we're concentrating on Brady. I, as far as that goes, quarterback, you're fine. The running back position, I agree with you. Wide receiver, other than Edelman. I mean, Demarius Thomas isn't going to make this team. I, I'm going to predict that right now. Henry, we've seen so many. Look, he was great in college, right? He was a 58, 87, 73 receptions in his three years in, in college. How many of these guys have we seen come through, Rick? And, mm-hmm. and, and we've had a year of Dorsett. He did nothing. You know, Inman, eh, that's all I can say. That's my analysis on Inman. Yeah, <laughs> You know, I guess the big news today, right, Rick, the big scuttle Tom Brady post on the Instagram, him and Josh Gordon right. working out. Does Josh Gordon come? That's interesting if he gets reinstated. Yeah, I don't know how he could get reinstated at this point, but maybe he does. I, I don't know. Then we can Now, talk what about. is his situation? Did he voluntarily leave to get help? That's Which is the what way, I thought the case was. That's the way it was spun, but to my understanding, I could be wrong. And tweet us at Asylum Football if I'm wrong. I think he still needs to get approval from the league to come back in 2019. I'm almost positive of but that. But I guess my point being, I don't think he was suspended or kicked out. I so don't believe, but there's a long- he's I don't know if he's working out with Brady. Maybe somewhere along the line he's taking some blood tests. and You know, yeah. he shows up clean. I don't know. I, I'm not sure exactly what it is. But getting back to, to um, you know, I look, they you have Tom Brady and Brian Hoyer. They're still the number one quarterbacks, you know, fantasy or – Professionally oh, yeah. in that division, yeah, that's. Not, but the interesting, I thing, got Fitz, I got Fitzpatrick and Rosen as the second best. My, I think Miami is okay at quarterback. Nothing great, but certainly better than Tannehill. Either way you go, I think. Oh, are we ranking these? I'm just kind oh. of because <laughs> I didn't rank. No, them, so no, I'm just kind them. of going along. You know, yeah. looking at it this way since we're going by division instead of just going. Well, you know, Tom Brady's great. I'm just, you, you know, it's. I think we can leave it at that. Tom Brady's great. Well, we know that. But what's interesting for me, before we move off the Patriots, Gronk being gone. Benjamin Watson suspended four games. That's right. I mean, that bodes well, especially those first four games for James White. You know, He, he might hit 100 this year. I think there's a good chance of it. Do you, do you have any doubt in your mind that by mid-October Gronk will come back? I mean, that's going to happen, right? I don't know. Gronk's, I'm drafting him like he's coming back. Gronk's a weird cat. He's one of them guys that it, it wouldn't surprise me. Everybody thought, you know, um, well, Jim Brown, once he makes a movie, he'll be back. He didn't come back. You know, and, and it worked out. I mean, there's there's been different athletes that walked away young. Ah, uh, he'll, he'll be back. You know, he's a millionaire. He hasn't spent any of his salary. He probably couldn't pass a drug test right now. Probably not now, no. (laughs) Because anywhere you do see him, he's hitting it. He's got that blonde chick he's rolling around with everywhere. He is just hammered everywhere he goes. Who was that? Was that – I'm trying to remember who was speaking. If it was – um, Obama, or it was a speaker, or whatever. Remember, he was at the White House and come like peek from behind the 
Kurt and <laughs> I didn't even <laughs> see that, but I believe it. Yeah, that, I mean, anybody else would have gotten the wood shampoo, yeah. but he's Gronk. So yeah, I don't know Come what on it in. is. Oh, that guy, he's, he's crazy. Big drunken lunkhead, but for every reason, there's something endearing about him. I don't know what it is, and I feel like he could get away with pretty much everything. But I guess the reason I bring that up, Watson, when he gets back, maybe I. But let's not. I, I, there is a, I think, a notion out there that Tom Brady really likes to throw to the tight end, and whoever that number one tight end in is going to be great. That's not true. Gronk was yeah, really good. Yeah, it's not and there true was that year or two with Aaron Hernandez, you know, before all the murder and well, suicide. And they and were together, too. And then that was the one, too. So, look, nobody else, Rick, is, has filled in that role. It has been Gronk because Gronk is special. That's it. That's the list. Move on at this point. So, I agree with you. So, and, and speaking of moving on, I have a question. For you, Do, are you buying that Kenyon Drake is a full-time running back? I have to. I want to. This is the guy. I'm no, going you to. don't have to because there are other backs out there to draft fantasy-wise. And I'm asking you, are you buying this guy as a full-time running back? Hook, line, sinker. I'm in 100%. He's got. One thing going for him that I value more than anybody who does real fantasy numbers analysis. This is it. Take a look at that depth chart. He's the only guy in town. That's it. That's the list, Kenyon Drake. You have, at best, questionable quarterback play. You have Devontae Parker, who is the best wide receiver since Jerry Rice every June and then every September, tends to remember, oh, yeah, I'm Devontae Parker, never mind. He's going to be the focal point of this offense. Can he stand up to it? What what I think is going to happen is we're going to see what we saw out of him a little bit last year in, in prior Big highs, big lows, right? Big highs, big lows. I think he's going to be Maurice Jones-Drew in that regard, and he's going to average out. This is a guy I'm excited about, and I'm probably going to wind up overdrafting. See, I'm, I'm not as down on the Stills-Parker-Wilson wide receiver core as you are. I'm not thrilled with them, but with um, Fitzpatrick propensity to pass, and I believe Rosen as well when he takes over, I'm not so sure that Drake is going to be this quote-unquote workhorse out there. I think he could be out there all the time, but I don't think that they're just – he's not a, a pounder, and I don't think that's going to be the game plan. And especially with Fitzpatrick out there, he's going to make the passing happen. And I think Drake's carries, But he's going to be a big part of that. They're not good yeah, at the but receiver that's not, position. I don't think that's the same as – Handed him the rock, boom, up the middle, oh, no, and no. there's 300 guys. Well, that's no, what I'm he's talking about. Is he dude. going to wear down? And I don't think – I'm tending to agree with you in a roundabout way. I really like this kid. And, I, I you know, you you have the same question, and we'll get to it on um, when we get to the West as well, uh, you know, with Damian Williams, who used to be in Miami – Right, very similar type of back on to Kansas City perform well there. Those two really, in my mind, are question marks that I'm I want to keep an eye on, but I'm tending to buy into them. They certainly have the talent, and I think Andy Reid's offense, everyone's really familiar with, so you know 
that I think Damian Williams will excel in that offense, quite frankly. Well, I, I think anybody would in, in that. But, Rick, I just – there's nobody else. Yeah, Balazs is basically yeah. the the only other um, – yeah, Somebody else is going to get some work. You know, I don't well, know sure. who it is. This is going to be one of those I'm sure lots of people would stand up and say they know right now. I'm going to say I have no idea. I'm going to have to see how it shakes out in camp. So as I sit here today – Kenyon Drake is not only going to be the lead back, the feature back, whatever you want to say. He's not going to be a pounder. He's not going to get 300 carries. He, you know, he caught 50 balls last year. He averaged, you know, long on about four and a half, between four and a half, five yards of carry last year. Like to see him get in the end zone more, but it's going to be his ball. And I think he's going to be the focal point, not just of the running game, but of the offense. Because again, we'll, we'll get into the wide receivers now. Are we still going to do this Devontae Parker thing? I, I've mocked it the last three episodes episodes but it's so ridiculous we keep hearing he's one of those guys that the the fantasy analyst the draft nicks anointed coming out of college and it's never panned out and they're not willing to give up on it i mean let's well, I look mean, at we've his seen so many of those guys that'll grab a hold of somebody and cj spiller was a great example right. of it and they would not let oh he's going to new orleans Wow. So what? Yeah. I mean, you know, he couldn't succeed in Buffalo. It makes you think he's, you know, going to do anything in New Orleans when he really wasn't the prime back anyway. Right. So, but yeah, I agree with Look at Parker's you. catches, 24, 57, 56, 26. These are his career numbers. Does anybody believe he's going to jump up to 80, 90, 100 catches this year? Oh, I'm sorry. It's not... Kenny Stills loved the kid. He had that nine touchdown year two years ago. Had six last year. That was just fine. But, again, only 37 grabs. And so, for all you, and we'll get into this more. I'll have the, more of this rant when we get to the north here short, shortly. Still telling me you don't miss Jarvis Landry? You still telling me Jarvis Landry sucks because his 115 catches aren't the 115 catches you would prefer? Look, Rosen, he's a project, right? You know, I mean, here's what's going to happen, right? Fitzpatrick's going to get the job, or no, they'll probably give the job to Rosen coming out of camp. He's going to suck for three games. They're going to bench him, going to bring in Fitzpatrick. He's going to do what he does for four or five games and then do what he always does after four or five games. Then Rosen comes back in. I, the only person who has any chance to have any fantasy relevance to me on this team is Kenyon Drake. And I think in a PPR format, I think he can catch 70, 75 balls this year, which puts him, you know, in a PPR, probably a low-end RB1. I mean, I, I think that's where you're looking at this guy. I would love, Rick, to have a team with Sony Michelle and Kenyon Drake as my running back. I'd be thrilled with that going into this year. No, you, you just might. I would, and I'd beat you again like I always do. Really? Like I always do. <laughs> Humble you. You, Humble you will be so beat. pleased when you read the uh, draft books this year. <laughs> I mean, because yet you chalked up yet another loss. But anyway. Did I lose to you this year? Oh, yeah. Did you cheat? Well, I usually do. Was it on bye weeks? Yeah. Um, Is there anything else what's to there to talk about with Buffalo? I, I, look, they're, they're making – strides i guess but i mean you have Lashawn mccoy this is what there is to talk about you have frank gore right and tj yeldon at running backs you know on the surface you're sitting here thinking yeah that, that's that's not bad but shady's what 32 he's getting up there yeah gore's 106 <laughs> 
and <laughs> T.J. Yeldon. Frank Gore, the uh, undead. <laughs> yeah. And uh, look, Josh Allen. I mean, impressive last year. I mean, I, I have to, you know, and I said it on the show last year. Hats off to McDermott because I tell you what, he did more with nothing than anybody in the league. I think last year. Yeah. Here's with my analysis of Josh Allen. Good runner. We he we forget about that, right? Big oh, yeah. arm, and he ain't the Peter man. Yeah, boy, you're so, not kidding. Uh, yeah. That's where he's at, right? Yeah. How far he steps forward, I don't know. I'm not the expert on QB <sighs> mechanics, and, and that's a real blind spot for me. But he's adequate at this point on this I'm, young team. You know, you hear a lot of the positive humdrum coming out of the camps and so forth, and I get it. They have to talk that way. And Cole Beasley, I saw, you know, he was making, I can do a lot more damage in this offense than I ever could in Dallas and so forth and so on. They brought in John Brown. You have Cole Beasley. They brought him in as well. Zay Jones and Robert Foster, where some of the guys are high on on Foster. I'm having a hard time getting high on any of these guys. On this team. Yeah, I mean. Obviously, somebody's going to have some big games. Right. There's no question. Uh, because it doesn't even matter what team you're talking about. No matter how poorly they perform, if they win two or three games, there's always players that, that have some fantasy value. But which one's it going to be? We've seen Zay Jones. We've seen him with the potential moniker already. Right. Haven't really seen it, Court. You know what you don't realize? His catch numbers are no good, which is probably a pretty important number for Richie. But he caught seven TDs last year. He's a good red zone target. So I think, again, you're not in your standard 12-team, you know, two-receiver, one-flex league. Uh, This is a guy that's maybe at the end of your bench. But I could see him taking the leap, possibly, depending on – so much of this revolves around Josh Allen. Oh, no doubt. John Brown, unfortunately, I think he's going to be irrelevant fantasy-wise, but I think he's going to be great for Allen and for the Buffalo Bills. I anticipate multiple, meaning more than one, so that, that leaves it open. If there's two, I can claim I was right on this. Multiple touchdowns over 70 yards. Josh Allen's got that big arm. If you can get John Brown freed up one-on-one, get a safety moved over, that would be half of my offense. It'd be like Madden, right? All right, John, you do what you do down the sideline. All right, Josh, you do what you do and throw that damn thing as far as you can. can, That's going to work a couple of times. Sure it will, because he can take the lid off of it. And if Beasley, who's a good route runner. That's the guy who intrigues me. If I'm in a deep league, a 14-team league, or one of those three-receiver, three-flex type of guys – Cole Beasley intrigues me. They don't have much. They brought in Tyler Croft. Don't have much at the tight end position. I think Cole Beasley could catch 75 or 80 balls. You know, if Josh Allen doesn't air mail it 12 yards over his head every time. But I think you got a guy like John Brown taking the lid off it. You got a guy the size of Zay Jones. Cole Beasley's a nice veteran slot guy, good hands, has a way to get open. Your running game's going to be a little suspect. The yardage isn't going to be. I think Cole Beasley is going to be what everybody else has, in my opinion, erroneously accused Jarvis Landry of being in his career. I think he could be that guy this year. And he should be. Should in fact, be right. he, he, he 
He almost has to be. True. That's that's okay. yeah, maybe more of that. Yeah. Maybe it's less that he will be than he has to be. That's an excellent point. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm buying into Cole Beasley because he has to be that right. type of receiver. And in PPR formats, I think he's going to have a lot of value. Right, yeah. Because you can get him cheap, there's no doubt. Oh, yeah, you're, you're going to get him for nothing. You might get him off the waiver wire. Exactly. At some point. He, he's a guy I'll be targeting. So Now let's move on to your – New York Jets. My Jets. Your yeah. Jets. And your boy, Le'Veon. Boy, I can't put my finger on this one. Still. Still what? Top five? Top six? Well, he, that's where you have to draft him. What I'm not confident of, of is he finishes there. I would be equally le- less surprised if he finished as the number one overall fantasy player as to where he completely busted out and walked out of that stadium sometime in mid-November it's just I don't how do you factor in where a guy's head's at right he'll be in shape by the time the season starts I have no doubt about that he has right wrong or indifferent he's got other interests rap career I'm doing the air quotes thing the weed he's really interested in that (laughs) you know what I mean the multiple girlfriends stealing from you I mean this man's got a lot going on and he's not going into the best situation, right? No, I mean, it's not the best situation because he left Pittsburgh. Uh, and as far as the team goes, obviously Pittsburgh was a better football team. But, you know, curiously, I'm, you know, I kind of like Robbie Anderson. Quincy Anumwa has had flashes when he's healthy. Jamison Crowder's had a modicum of success. You know, they have a nice little core, nothing spectacular at wide receiver. Sam Darnold has proven he can throw the ball. Bell comes in with shape. He's got Belil Powell behind him, Ty Montgomery. I mean, they're not the bare-bones no, offense that no. they've been the last few years. No. Robbie Anderson, he he's the guy. I think if there's one guy, and this is maybe me and drinking. he's got the coolest hair. Oh, yeah, certainly. Yeah, he, he's awesome. Yeah, I, I want to hang out with him. It looks like, you know, Robbie Anderson can party a little bit. He's the type of guy I want to hang out with. But and this is kind of a popular opinion, and I usually zag when everybody zigs with these, but I tend to be with there's a lot of folks out there who think this is the year for him, that this is the year – you know, Darnold, I think Darnold had kind of the perfect rookie year, right? He didn't come in just blazing, out of control, fantastic numbers where you think there's got to be a regression coming. He didn't come in and just completely trip over his own feet like so many rookie quarterbacks do in the NFL. He just kind of come in and did what he what a rookie expects, right? 17 TDs, 15 picks, led some drives, looked like a rookie at times. I just some about that comforts me when a guy kind of follows the path a quarterback should take, right? Right. Which allows me to believe he takes that next step up this year. And Robbie Anderson could be that piece in flashes. Boy, doesn't he just look like he could be yeah. a top 10, top 12 type of guy? I think if there's one guy non-rookie this year who hasn't been in that conversation is a wide receiver one who makes that leap I think that's the guy this year Robbie Anderson I do too I think Robbie Anderson is explosive he's got good hands and his route running's improved 85 90 catch guy I think easily probably I I, I think so if Darnold takes that step right. we all think he's going to take 
which is a big if with a young quarterback. But if he takes that step, I think Robbie Anderson is not only the beneficiary of that, but probably a big reason for that as well. And the thing is, you know, and and their offensive line has improved. The thing that Le'Veon Bell brings to an offense, you know, that's one thing that some people probably, and I'm not saying, I mean, your average guy may not think about. When you have a guy like Le'Veon Bell, even if it's a pass play and you go back and and there's trouble getting a wide receiver open, dump it off to a guy like him, and you get a first down. Well, now you have that many more plays right, right. to throw to these wide receivers. And when things like that happen, you know, that's one of the, the old commandments. You know, stay away from fantasy players on really bad offenses. Right, right. Yeah, because they're just not on the field enough. There's not that often. I.e., Jacksonville. But, yeah. you know. <laughs> picking on my boy. Blake's gone. And yeah, he's still picking on Well, he's probably at the bar running up a tab. He does like the sauce, I've heard. But the thing is, Le'Veon Bell, if he comes into shape and, and things transform, say he's even a top ten running back, and we say uh, even. I right. mean, that, that's great. You know what I mean? That offense is going to click, and they're going to be a much improved offense. I, You know, I'm not sure team-wise, but I just think, right. like you said, Darnold had that perfect year. He's that much more seasoned. You got Robbie Anderson – they know each other in Numa. I, look, I, things can happen for the Jets this year. Yeah, I think with Le'Veon Bell to sort of button button this up and we'll head over to the north, I, uh, in my head I think I'm hedging a little bit, just worst-case scenario. I am generally not a proponent of handcuffing. If I'm on draft Le'Veon Bell – I'm going to make sure I have Belial Powell. I'm going to use a term you love to use once the season comes around. We've got a guy who's essentially taken a year and a half off. Not essentially, has taken a year and a half off in the last two years. In September, that soft tissue injury you like (laughs) to talk about so much, the hamstrings, things like that, I do have legitimate – take all the – personality quirks and the being the butthurt stealer fan i am the the way that right down i worry about a guy we talk about it when they hold out when guys hold out in camp when a guy takes this amount of time off i don't know if he can get enough reps in camp considering his position his role on the team and how little he's going to work in the preseason i worry about nagging hamstrings growing something like that when a guy's taking that much time off and now i'll get petty about it again and drank that much and smoked that much weed in the last year and a half no matter how good a shape he comes in and i honestly do worry about that with a guy who's been off that much time that's what's going to scare me away if i'm between him and give me a guy david johnson or something that's going to make me think i probably still end up taking bell this is all bluster it's real easy to say in june but i'm going to make darn sure i got Powell. i I really am because i do genuinely worry about that if i had a major hesitation that's it with lev bell exactly hey and we are talking fantasy here and that's one thing that um that you have to take into consideration as a fantasy player, which to me, I have no problem with at all. I, Le'Veon Bell's gone, distant memory. You know, we're just, we're the Steeler fan. I could care less. He's a Jet now. That's all I'm looking at. Right. He he's, he plays for the Jets. He's a fantasy asset, and 
you know, more power to him. I, I hope he does well because maybe he'll be on some of my teams. Yeah. And I, right. I, I don't care about, you know, A.B. can be as nuttier than a fruitcake. But if he's making 110 so catches. Right. Well, I know that. Of course. You're one for two. That's pretty no, good. I'm two for two, pal. <laughs> no, it's not. That's you. because you're not the brightest bulb. You are not going to continue to argue that. I will not give it. All right, let's head to the north. And when we go to the north, Rick, we have got to go. You suck, and so does fantasy football. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> what about the fantasy football party? Uh, we, if we're going to talk north, Rick, we got to start with our home squad, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh, I was saving those for last, but okay. Oh, you want to do them last? Nope, we we're going to start with them. I, I'm I'm going right with it. You you take the ball and run. All right. I don't care anything about Ben Roethlisberger from a fantasy perspective. He's going to be what he always is, right? 12, 13, 14, 15, somewhere in there. There's guys more exciting. I want to talk about this from a football perspective, from a wins and losses, from a team perspective, and from more of a personal perspective. Getting a little long in the tooth, getting a little loose with the ball. We have 16 picks last year, I believe, making some mistakes. He's not as mobile as he once was. But, my God, Rick, if there was ever a year a true competitor would want it after everything that went on last year and everything that went on this offseason, you could just see this man explode. You know, he, I guess, uh, how do you explode beyond 5,000 yards in everything he did last year? I'll I tell just, you how you can do that in a fantasy perspective, Rick. Maybe you only have 48 or 4,900 yards, but with A.B. gone, and we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, maybe your interceptions go down to eight. Possibly. Eight or nine, something of that nature, where you're not trying to force it into four guys in the end zone so A.B.'s happy. Just a thought. Right, yeah. And, and I truly believe it. But But I think – if you factor motivation into your lineup and drafting decisions, which I do, these are things the analytics could never show. And I can hear, you know, iPods being clicked off all over the country right now. Well, but, but what about when he takes a seven-step drop and he lands on the middle of his heel instead of the back of his heel every time? His completion percentage is only 54%. No, this isn't that. I'm looking at pure motivation. What a guy's been through, a guy's reputation, rightly or wrongly, you know, we can have that debate another time, has been sullied and he's been taking a beating. If anybody, a real pro with two Super Bowl rings, is coming into a year 100% focused and motivated, I got to believe it's Ben Roethlisberger this year. And that's got some value to me. It really does. There's no doubt about that. And this team is still talented enough to get him another ring before he calls it quits. Um, he was still the third highest scoring quarterback in fantasy last year. So behind only Ryan and Patrick Mahomes. So, I mean, there's value to be had here. Is he going to finish third? I don't think so. I, I put him behind Andrew Luck um, and, and the two guys ahead of him as well. I'll put him behind Breeze again. Breeze was under 4,000 yards last year, yet threw 32 touchdowns <laughs> with only five picks. So you can't Thank really – Thank you, Alvin Kamara. <laughs> yeah, you can't really fault the guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Before we get on with Roethlisberger and the rest of the North, we might have chosen the NFC North 
Did you hear? It's already starting with Aaron Rodgers and LaFleur. Have you seen that? Oh, he doesn't want him to audible? Yeah, he doesn't want him to audible, and, and Aaron Rodgers doesn't like that. I can promise well, certainly you. Certainly he doesn't. No. And how – look, the quarterback's going to win this. Oh, every it's, time. It's as yeah. simple as that. Yeah. You want to you wanna <laughs> have a short-term reign in Lambeau Field? Go in and take on the quarterback. Right. Good move, LaFleur. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, first of all, I disrespect him because of his name. He may be an offensive genius. He, he very well may. You know what? I'm going to say, sure, he's an offensive genius. But what do you gain by walking in and saying Aaron Rodgers, you know, weighed down on his one hand with his Super Bowl ring and with his eight years or so of being one of the best, if not the best quarterback in the league, and say, you just stand back there and look pretty. I, Mr. LeFleur, have this one. What are you – shut up. What are you doing? What, what are you doing? Are you crazy? Now, you could say the argument could be made privately, not in the media, could be made, all right, Aaron's gotten a little too big for his, for his britches. I need to rein him in a little, and a has little he? bit. Maybe. Probably. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's, a, he's a miserable soul, I really think so, at least on the <laughs> field. Maybe rein him in a little bit. But you're going to tell Aaron freaking Rodgers with his MVP trophies and his Super Bowl ring, no, no, you just be the robot. You just be the system guy. I got this. Yeah. Shut up. What are you doing? I agree. Let's get back to the North. We'll cover that a little bit oh, later. Yeah. But I thought since it was fresh in the news, right. I wanted to hit on that because, you know, Mr. LaFleur, uh, you may want to take a step back because, like Rick says, the, the fans and Aaron Rodgers are not going to side yeah. with yeah. you, period. Just shut up. That's my advice to Mr. LaFleur. All right, James Conner. Does he live up to his ADP? You know, I don't, I don't think so. And nothing against James Conner, but I think it's all for Snell and Samuels and the depth they have in that backfield. I I just don't think he's going to have as much opportunity to produce like he did last year. I think he's a number one back. He's still an RB1, but I think he's lower end going into 2019. Because like it or not, I mean, everything that I've seen, I think Snell's going to get plenty of playing time. And Jalen Samuels is is a talented guy, too. He's not going to be sitting on the bench the whole game. Not the whole game, but I, I disagree with you on this one. We heard this with a myriad of backs in Le'Veon Bell's somewhat shortened tenure with the Steelers that Le'Veon's touching the ball way too much. We're going to bring in this dork or this geek or this You never heard it from the Steelers, though. It was always the pundits. Oh, they're working them too much. They need to do this. They need to – yeah, he never heard the Steelers say, no, we're pounding this cat. I mean, that's just what they did. But if James Conner comes in and produces at the level that he did the first four or five games of last season, I'm sorry, (laughs) Jalen, you know, have a seat. You know, Snell will get some short yardage work. He'll get some goal line work. But but let's not forget, James Conner averaged four and a half yards a carry. He had 12 rushing, 12 rushing touchdowns. No doubt. 55 receptions, and that was considered the weak spot of his game. You know, you worry about him breaking down. I worry about it less because, you know, he did miss a lot of games in college. But let's not forget, 
He wasn't spraining ankles. He wasn't bum shoulders. He tore an ACL and he had cancer. Right. All right. The, the, that does, these two things do not a man make injury prone, right? I mean, th- this is a little bit different. Now, I'm not sure he's the athlete necessary that Lev Bell was when he came in. And he can't handle that type of workload. So I think he has plenty of opportunity to put up top 10 RB numbers while still Jalen Samuels and or Benny Snell getting theirs. I really think I don't have the concern of James Conner breaking down that, that other. Like I said, I just feel like he got that injury risk tag based on his college career. But those were kind of a couple major things he dealt with. It wasn't nagging things that he dealt with. So I really think he lives up to that hype. And I still think – I think Snell is the guy. Jalen Samuels, you know, we, we talked about him a lot last year. There should have been plenty of opportunity last season, right, with the Le'Veon Bell. There was that one big game against New England. You didn't see Samuels otherwise. He was just sort of another guy. You know, I think Snell fits into what they need, what they lack maybe on third downs and down around the goal line where they've really struggled in the red zone and at the goal line specifically. But I think James Conner is a, you know, a double-digit touchdown guy. I think 60, 70 catches is certainly in the offering for him. I, boy, I just I think there might be enough for him and maybe one more of those guys. It could be. I mean, it's a good offense. And they're going to have plenty of opportunity. Uh, time will tell. I think we'll get a better better feel for it. I, it's not that so much that I worry about James Conner breaking down as since they're all three young, you know, it, it's kind of, you know, I think one of these guys turns into more of a, and I don't mean the same role, but maybe the same type of, of play count. Is, is it like a Gio Bernard? Okay. Um, but I think James Conner's a top seven or eight back if that happens, I guess is my point. Even if that happens. Let's play our famous game. All right, let's do it. Okay, he's going to be behind Barkley. Certainly. Going to be behind McCaffrey. Yes. Going to be behind Kamara. Yes. Going to be behind Elliott. Yes. Okay, Le'Veon Bell. I knew you'd start me with that one. Um, my heart says Connor. I don't but my care head about your heart. Bell. We're talking fantasy football. I, I think it's Bell. I think it's Bell, but it's close for me. Todd Gurley, Connor. See, I'm going Gurley. I'm Melvin Gordon. Of that knee. Gordon's intriguing. I might go. I'm going to go Connor there. See, I'm, I'm, I'm Gordon again. Um, Joe Mixon. Yeah, we're going to talk about Joe Mixon here in, real in a shortly. Yeah. Yep, um, it's Connor for me. Chubb, Connor, Cook, Connor. Okay, I mean we're we're out of the the Connor. The only um, other one I'd be him and Han. I really think DJ has a big comeback this year. You didn't mention him. No, I didn't. I'm a little high. I think I can tell about where your rankings are by the way you listed them and didn't get to DJ. So I think we'll disagree no, I mean, on that when we get to the West. Now, I mean, we'll throw it out there. David Johnson. I mean, I, I'm I'm high on Johnson, but I'm very low on the Cardinals. Well, that's a, that's a fair place <laughs> to be, yeah, and that's something that we probably have to consider. But, yeah, so, I mean, what, what, where does that put me? I got calling her about six or seven. Yeah. And I, and I well, think, see, where I'm at, you know, like you mentioned David Johnson, we, we go back to um, one of these commandments that you talk about. 
Yeah, you're talking James Conner, David John. I'm taking James Conner every day just simply because that Pittsburgh offense right. is way better yeah. than the Cardinals. Yeah. And I'd probably go that way too, but but that's the tier I have there. So we gotta get going here, Rick. I think we're at an hour. It so. makes no difference. We well, can no. do whatever we want. We'll, we'll keep yapping, but I get I get sleepy. The wide receiver <laughs> yeah. position: Juju Smith-Schuster coming fine. off 11, 111, 1400, and seven touchdowns. How much of that was a product of being on the other side of A.B.? How much of that is a project, a product of Ben Roethlisberger and Juju Smith-Schuster being that darn good? Oh, I think Juju's that darn good. I think, and I so think they're going to stay that darn good. And I think Washington's going to step into the Juju position, and Moncrief is going to be that real factor that solidifies that whole core. I, I, I'm, I'm excited about Moncrief. I, I really am. You know, I, I think Juju does this again. Oh, let's I, not forget we have um, Switzer. The the rookie Johnson as well. So, I mean, Are we buying into no. this Johnson? Oh, that, I'm buying into he could be a quality receiver in 2019. No. Right, exactly. Right. No, yeah. Exactly. He's going to get drafted. See, that's one thing I guess when you and I talk and we're – Focusing, obviously, we're on the full-time fantasy podcast network. We've got to focus a lot on fantasy. If somebody, you know, writes us an email or, you know, are you buying into, you know, yeah, we'll just use Johnson, this rookie Johnson. Okay, I mean, I have to answer no because in their mind, they're thinking, okay, am I going to draft this guy this year? But, no, I, no, I think he's going to be a good, a very yeah. nice receiver brought into this system in the, in the right way. But I think we're get, folks are getting wrapped up in the similarities he has to A.B. with A.B. leaving. He comes from the Mac. He's a little undersized. He just makes fantastic catches. He's got the waggle. You know, He yeah. really does on film look like a young Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown's an anomaly. Dudes that look like Antonio Brown, that are built like Antonio Brown – don't become the player. Antonio Brown's got some kind of special sauce that other guys his size and of yeah, his pedigree don't have. Because all the other guys are Cole Beasley. Right, exactly. And, you yeah. know, and guys of that ilk. No disrespect, a quality player. Right. But it's not Antonio yeah, Brown. Yeah, he's just something. He's got something that doesn't show up on film, that didn't show up in his underwear at the combine. He's just got that little extra something. You can't recreate it, especially the year, Antonio Brown. Yeah, Moncrief, I want to just spend a minute or two on him. I think he's the guy, I'm not sure it's huge catch numbers. I think this guy spends a lot of time in the end zone. In his good years with Indianapolis, he was a really good red zone target. Antonio Brown leaving, if I have this right, it's 25 or 26 red zone targets being vacated right there. And if you do believe, you know, Juju's going to see more attention, you're going to have to pay attention to either Jalen Samuels or James Conner down there. Moncrease, a guy who can make catches in the end zone. I think you see upwards of eight, nine touchdowns out of Moncrease. Which this brings year. me to my sleeper of this whole division is Vance McDonald coming into this year because <laughs> God, I hope he stays talk healthy. Talk about a red zone monster. Right. And with AB gone. You know they're talking about well what what about Washington what about Moncrief with the, with the available targets with the departure of AB how about Vance McDonald yeah, yeah. and Jesse James is gone now it clears the way because Jesse James was but he took what thirty percent of that workload 
40% yeah. that could have gone to Vance McDonald. Right. And so, yeah, I mean, this is – keep your eye on Vance McDonald, folks, because I'm fo- looking for him. Vance McDonald, I'm telling you right now, he stays healthy, he's top 10 tight end. If he stays healthy, he's top five tight end. But that's a big if for Vance McDonald is the only thing. So far in his career, you're absolutely right. All right, let's head over to Baltimore, hon. Tell me everything you care about with the Ravens. Talk about Mark Ingram is interesting. No, he's more than interesting. Because it's going to be a focused on the run offense because I tell you what, folks, they're going to have to be. I I was watching minicamp and – just kind of sitting there, you know, killing time, watching it in Baltimore was on there. And you were, were drunk sh- is what you're telling me. Showing Lamar Jackson throwing. And somebody comes across a Twitter, look at Lamar Jackson completing <laughs> wide open passes to whoever. Well, Willie Sneed. Yeah, it was Willie Sneed. And there was another guy on that, that responded to that. He goes, am I the only one noticing these ducks that he's throwing? <laughs> and I wrote back, no, it's no secret. I mean – this guy does not have he, – look, he's exciting to watch, but they get used to that. That stuff and doesn't he, last in the And NFL. he doesn't have a rocket like Mike Vick had. No, that's or, the difference. By any stretch of the imagination. So, let's face it. Let's get back to – Baltimore's going to be run heavy. I don't think they're going to succeed at it because a run heavy offense, when you they don't fear the pass, is doomed to failure. Right. Yeah, and, and you don't fear the pass. Look, I think Mark Ingram is going to put up big numbers just based on ball. Doesn't he feel like a 25, 90, and a touch kind of every week type of guy, which, believe me, I would love to have. And I think that's who Mark Ingram is going to be. He's going to be really good there. I don't even want to talk about Lamar Jackson. First of all, no. the, fantasy-wise, certainly not. He's going to get hurt because he – Say what they will, Harbaugh say it, and I think Harbaugh means it, but Lamar Jackson's default is going to be to run when he can't make a throw, and there's a lot of throws he cannot make. You know, let, Let's not forget everybody touts his 58% completion percentage and where that ranks historically with rookie quarterback. I don't care. He threw six TDs in seven games, three picks. I mean, the kid's just not – maybe he develops into it. I hope he does. He's an exciting player to watch. And look at this wide receiver core, Rick. Willie Sneed, Miles Boykin, and then, you, all right, you want to talk Marquise about – Marquise Brown, Seth Roberts, <laughs> Michael Floyd, Chris Moore. Tell me everything you know about those guys. I mean, yeah, I mean, Willie Sneed is a decent receiver. I, I'm not taking that away from him. He's a good position He was guy. a decent receiver in New Orleans. We've seen what right. happens when he gets out on his own. Right. Um, you know, Seth Roberts was an afterthought in a bad Oakland offense. Right. So, he's nothing more than a – <laughs> than a Seth Roberts yeah, somewhere he's else. Seth Roberts. I mean, yeah, exactly. No shame in it. It beats no. the hell out of a Rick Flieger, but you got he's that right, Seth yeah. Roberts, you know. Exactly. And there's nobody going to set your pants on fire in that offense at all. Martin, you know, Andrews at tight end, and eh, you know, I mean, good tight end, but I just don't see any anything explosive in the passing game in this offense. Period. Yeah, and, re- and it comes down to the running back core of Ingram and Edwards and Dixon. I mean, let's face it. Yeah, I mean, I wanted to get excited about these tight ends, and then you go back and just look at their career catch numbers between Boyle and Hurst even, 23, 29, 13. It's just that's not a big part of this hardball offense, apparently. 
no receivers that get you excited. Lamar Jackson doesn't have the ability to get it to those receivers. If there was one that would excite you, I think that actually this team wins is going to win a lot of games. I think with ball control and with defense. I oddly, I I feel like they're going to be a good team with nobody outside of Mark Ingram being fantasy relevant. I'm kind of on the other side of the fence with it. I'm almost lo- between them and Cincinnati fighting it out for the seller. I hope so. Because, but. you know, let, let's face it. I'm looking at Lamar Jackson and I'm comparing him to Andy Dalton. I'm giving the edge to Andy Dalton. I take Andy Dalton all day. Okay. Um, the running backs, Corey, we talked about Ingram, Edwards, and Dixon. Um, with Baltimore, you got Mixon, Geo, you know, Trayvon Williams. I mean, I, I think that's almost a wash as far as the running back goes. Now you have A.J. Green, Tyler Boyd, and John Ross as a wide receiving core compared to these other guys. You've already given the edge to Dalton offensively. I think Cincinnati's way ahead of Baltimore. It's all on the defense with Cincinnati where it's all on the offense of Baltimore. I mean, at least you have somebody to get excited about on the Cincinnati side of the ball offensively. With it. Look, I'm not drinking the Kool-Aid, and I'm not telling anyone in the fantasy world of drafting to bet on Tyler Eifert as your <laughs> tight end number one. I can't quit him. I can't but quit him, But if you Rick. can get this guy late in the draft, throw him on your bench because if he can stay healthy, he's got all the talent in the world, but he's liable to be out by week one. Or on his way to week one, <laughs> tends to have. So while we're in Cincinnati, I mean, I think we hit it all. How much do we need to talk about Joe Mixon? I think, you know, the offensive line, they should be better talent-wise, but they're very young. You know, they did address that this offseason, but I think they got a ways to go. But, you know, coming off of just short of 1,200 yards, eight touches, 43 catches. I like Mixon. Five-yard a carry guy. Yes, sir. Hey, he's a he's a low-end RB. He's a, he's a perfect turn guy, right? You grab him, you grab Travis Kelsey or Mike Thomas or something, you're yeah. feeling good at the draft. A.J. Green, Rick, get nervous. You got to be. He's been he's been nicked up a lot. Exactly. The te- the talent's still there. Tyler Boyd is is actually that's my guy. Rick. Has really no, he's a pit uh, guy. impressed me and could take a little heat off of off of Green if you if you think about it. I mean, coverage wise and so forth. But look, it's AJ Green, and if he's out there playing, he's going to be the focus. And Dalton's going to get him the ball. Yeah, I, you just you worry about him being nicked up, right? And so that moves him under your Mike Evans and some of those guys on his. You know, he's at the bottom of his tier. Just uh, he he went so long, Rick. This isn't historical for him, but in the last two years, this has happened. Tyler Boyd, Rick, is a guy I am all over now. Now, you know, I watched him play all through college. You know, got to meet him a few times. He's a pick guy, so I'm certainly very biased. If there's any such thing as a seventy-six, a quiet 76-catch, 1,000-yard, seven-touchdown season, he had it last year. Oh, no doubt. I was stunned, and I followed this man as a fan. I was stunned to see these numbers ended up the way they are. And I know what he did in college, where for that year, Connor was out dealing with the, with the lymphoma issues he had. He was Pitt's entire offense. With Tom Savage as the quarterback, he did everything. He ran the ball. He caught the ball. I mean, he would. 
this kid is such a dynamic athlete, and it's taken a couple years. I think he's found his footing, and I, I think the sky really is the limit. And this Tyler Boyd is going to be on all my rosters because I will draft him before all of you do. I really will. And Andy Dalton, like him or hate him, he's still a guy that'll get that will pass the football. And if he has time to stand up, he has an arm. Right. I mean, I'm not going to throw him out there with a with red your, rocket, some may yeah, say. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. They're red rocket. <laughs> I mean, he's no Tom Brady or he's no Andrew Luck, but he's Jay Cutler. He'll, you yeah. know, he can get some yardage. Yeah. yeah. Care about John Ross at all? John Ross? Nah, not really. Fantasy wise, a bench stash or something happens. It's green, maybe. You know, he could have some fantasy value, especially if Eifert's hurt. Somebody's got to get the football correct. Right. So, I mean, yeah, no, John Roth is nothing that I worry too much about fantasy-wise other than a bench stasher to start with. But there's worse wide, you know, third wide receivers out there. That's yeah, for sure. I mean, from a potential I mean, for the Cincinnati standpoint, I think he really solidifies that core. So, I mean, yeah, he's – there's nothing wrong with that at all. Now let's get to something Cleveland. to watch out. Does anybody still play tight or <laughs> Let's try that again. Touchdown only leagues. Anybody still do that? I can't imagine. John Ross had 21 catches last year, seven of them for touchdowns. That's, that's, that's a, a nice percentage. That is amazing, isn't it? I was stunned to see he had seven touchdowns. I had no idea, but I just think if like you said, if AJ Green's healthy and with what I think is the big step forward for Tyler Boyd, I think John Ross is a 35-40 catch guy yeah. and another probably another seven or eight touchdowns. So in a bye week and a real fix, you put him in there, maybe you get in the end zone. He's a Harry right? Douglas, yeah, from that Atlanta oh, team. Boy, you went way back there. Yeah, that's going to be the picture on the website, <laughs> Harry Douglas. I like it. I'm always looking for a picture and you found it for me okay let's go to cleveland i mean there is all the hullabaloo and hubbub in cleveland cleveland rocks rick i mean do we really need to say anything about baker mayfield i mean other than the fact this kid looks amazing and i dare say i think he's going to be amazing he's a real deal yeah he's a real He's got that – forget the numbers, forget the mechanics. He's got that competitive fire. He, he's he's two things that I think make a great NFL quarterback. He's just a true competitor and winner, number one, and he's a true jackass, number two. And I think you've got to be a true jackass to be a great quarterback. And he has – I think those two things kind of go hand in hand, right? Big Big-time competitor – and jackass, and he has that. Snake stable. Right. <laughs> Any of them, really. Yeah. Look, Aaron Rodgers, he's a sure. jackass. Look, he's funny in those State Farm commercials. He's a jackass. Everybody yeah. knows Ben Roethlisberger's a jackass. Brett Favre, you name them. All the sure. good ones were jerks. You know, you have to be. Exactly. So, so he's got – that's my analysis. Rivers. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead and figure that out at the Senior Bowl, all you draft Knicks. Here's what you do. Find the biggest creep on the field. That's my guy. There's my analysis of Baker Mayfield. Okay. I, I'm i with you 100%. He's a real deal. Draft him in your fantasy leagues, um, and, and you'll do fine, I think, because he is loaded up with weapons. Odell Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry. Um can't think of a one-two punch yeah, better hard. than that on paper. Maybe Thielen Diggs will rival it. Um, yeah, there may be a couple equal, but there's none better. 
Yeah, I, I know. I know everybody hates Jarvis Landry, right? This is the only where we're losing subscribers again because Jarvis Landry and his 109 catches isn't good enough because his yards per catch isn't good enough. All the other nonsense you throw out there. Average 12 yards a carry last year. Surprisingly, Rick only caught 86 balls. And I don't know, does bringing in an Odell Beckham help or hurt that? I think it might help. I think it helps. I He's think it not absolutely going... helps. And let's face it, it's, it's a much better football team oh, right. than last year. They started off with Ty, Tyrod Taylor last year at quarterback as well. So then you then they bring in Baker Mayfield. So, of course, He's a rookie. He's learning. He's taking the team on his shoulders. Jarvis Landry's the number one guy. Now, all of a sudden, you have some chemistry with this team. They discovered Nick Chubb is a pretty good running back when Carlos Hyde's out of the picture and so forth, and and we brought him in. Baker Mayfield is that much more mature. Now we bring in Odell Beckham. Um, You know, they are, like I said, I think they're the best one-two punch. Maybe Keelan... Uh, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams are close. Diggs and Thielen, that's about it that I can think of right, right off the top of my head. And then you got Nick Chubb, Duke Johnson, and, oh, by the way, Kareem Hunt's coming back. This what do you team, make of Chubb with that? Does the specter of Kareem Hunt showing up in what's week eight, late October, probably before, does that I'm you, not a scare huge, you off of? I'm not a huge handcuff guy, but if I got Chubb, I'll probably be taking Hunt before most other people. Yeah, I wonder, do you see a split? Do you see a – I don't know. I mean, that's – I'm curious. I don't know what that's going to look like. I I really don't. It's – you know, if Chubb wasn't – it never made sense to me that the Browns bring in Kareem Hunt. I guess you just – you get it cheap. You're willing to take the PR hit. You take all the talent you can get. Has anybody – has anything really negative been said about Cleveland? Because they no. signed Kareem Hunt? No, it's surprisingly no. no. I guess the only real question Because if the they pro- win, nobody gives a rat's patoot True. if they got Kareem Hunt in that li- in that lineup. Right. Simple as that. Uh, I'm just curious what that's going to look like. You know, it's not, you know, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, I think, are very much equals. You know what I mean? So it wouldn't be, you know, we're going to wait for Kareem Hunt because he's a little bit better than the guy that's there, or Kareem Hunt's just going to come in and spell the guy who's already there because he's a little bit better. Boy, I got these two just about on par. You so yeah, I'm just, I'm real curious. It would make me nervous to draft Chubb, you know, because I don't know how much I gain by having Kareem Hunt as well. You know, the from a pure best case scenario, worst case scenario is they come in and they split a little bit, right? All of a sudden, yeah. Chubb's carries get cut by forty percent or something. Then they're both kind of useless from a fantasy perspective. From a, right. from a football from perspective, a, yowza, yeah. From you a know? pure football perspective, say they go on whatever. I don't know. Say they're eleven and five. They win a division or twelve and four. Make a deep run into in the playoffs. Kareem Hunt comes back. He's in shape, and he's done well. Nick Chubb had 12, 1,300 yards, whatever the case. They just throw us in there. Now they're in the enviable position of trading one of these guys. Perhaps. For, I mean, I don't even know, you know, maybe defensive help, something right. of that nature. 
So, I mean, if, or, or then they will can Duke Johnson and sell him for something. I, I half I wonder if Duke Johnson makes it out of camp this year. Just the players taking him to task. I didn't think what he said was all that awful or that uncommon. But Baker crushes him. Well, then the team crushes Baker, I guess. They didn't crush Duke. Yeah. I, I don't think he gets traded. You know, after the draft happens, you don't see much trading. I don't mean this year. Right. I'm talking about, like, the next year but or I whatever. Does Duke have any value? Certainly not after week eight. For somebody that needs a running back, perhaps. No, no. See, I mean, as oh, a Cleveland Brown for your nah, fantasy football. No, nah, not really. I mean, a plug-and-play, maybe bench warmer in a PPR format. Right. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Odell Beckham. I think it's just business as usual for him. If anything, he's in a better situation. Is he a top five? Oh, certainly. Top three? Uh, I mean, because in my mind, I'm, yeah, I'm – I've got Brown out of the top three. Right. So, you know, so I'm looking at Julio, Hopkins. Michael Thomas, Hopkins. So maybe Michael he's Thomas, four. Mike Evans. I got Odell ahead of Evans. I think I go Hopkins, Julio, Thomas – than Odell, I think. I haven't done any rankings yet this year. It's Again, it's only June, but in my head right now. Hill? I'm, I'm not messing with Hill. Devontae but, Adams. A lot of people putting him in the top three. I'm not ready for that yet. I'll put Odell ahead of Devontae. 111 catches, 1,386 oh, yards, 13 no. touchdowns. Uh, you know, I mean. A healthy and happy Odell, though. I, I think the best is yet to come with him. Yeah, it's it's hard to say. I mean, there are so many. You know, we're talking Adam Thielen, Juju Smith-Schuster. Right. I mean, there are some really top-notch yeah. tier one guys, and oh, I think certain. Odell's firmly entrenched in yeah. there. You can put, you can make a case for him top three. You can make a case for him top seven or eight. Yeah, and, yeah. and you're really not crazy. So no, no I, I don't think so. So, and uh, in Joku, probably the last thing, last guy to talk about here. I wonder about him. You know, he reminds me of. Vernon Davis. Yeah. Physical freak, insane athlete, makes catches in practice, in camp, in a game now and again where you just say, wow, this dude's going to take over the league. But then the numbers just aren't there in the regular season. Remember that stretch with Vernon Davis where he'd do nothing all season, then he'd get in the playoffs and he'd average about 18 touchdowns a game in the playoffs, that Kaepernick year when they yeah. went to the Super Bowl. Remember that? Oh, yeah. I mean, 56, 639, decent numbers. Four TDs is what is concerning to me. Uh, I'm going to draft him too early. I'm going to have a lot of Njoku because something, there was something with Vernon Davis, just the greatest physical freak I'd ever seen, and I feel the same way about Njoku. But I think that line probably is about what you're going to get out of him. Yeah, and you know what? I mean, you look at it, you know, you start looking at some of these tight end touchdowns especially. Um you know, with the exception of Eric Ebron with 13 last year, Kelsey had 10, Ertz had 8. And now you're down – I mean, the next one is Trey Burton, Jared Cook, and Cameron Brait all with 6. Kittle had 5. I mean, we think about Kittle, that huge year. Oh, he, had, yeah. he had 5 touchdowns. O.J. Howard had 5. And now you get into the Njokus, the, the Kyle Rudolphs, the Greg Olsons. Of course, he was hurt with 4. You know, Jordan Thomas – these tight end touchdown machines aren't there. And you don't have your Gonzalez, your no, Gates any no. longer. You have – look, I guess it just – it's it's the same as it ever was, 
just the names are different. You have three or four. Right. It's kind of you're right. It's <laughs> you always know? been that way. Yeah. The name changed, but it all stays the same. Exactly. All right, can we quit? Can we go home, Rick? I guess we have to. I am to. exhausted. I am this, just... this is big-time overtime. Give, give them your address to mail your check for our overtime pay this month. Asylumfootball at gmail.com, baby. That's what it is. You have any uh, questions, lineup questions, questions about anything, life in general, send them to asylumfootball at gmail.com or at asylumfootball on Twitter. That's right. So thanks so much for joining us this week. You can follow the asylum everywhere Rick just told you there. And, of course, make sure you check out everything over at Full Time Fantasy at fulltimefantasy.com and at fulltimefantasy on those tweeters. We'll be back. I don't know. We'll finish up the AFC, so that'll leave us, what, the South and the uh, West next week. Make sure you check that out. Till next time, we'll see you. Take care.